Hello, and welcome to the Tech and Medicine BeautyCast by Lutronic, the platform for connecting industry with aesthetic professionals and patients. In this episode, we have some special guests in our Lutronic studio to discuss Genius RF, the revolutionary high-intensity focused radio frequency device that's turning heads in the medical aesthetic community. I'm pleased to introduce our panelists today, three incredible, world-renowned, board-certified dermatologists in private practice. Dr. Chris Adigan, the president and medical director of her private practice, the Dermatology and Laser Center of Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and Dr. Julie Karen and Dr. Elizabeth Hale, the co-founders of Complete Skin MD, their dermatology, laser, and skin surgery practice on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. We're extremely excited to have these highly talented physicians joining us to discuss their practices and how they've incorporated Genius into their menus of services. So let's start off, if you don't mind, uh, real quick, let's go around the virtual room here. Uh, if everyone wants to just briefly introduce themselves, talk a little bit about your practice. Uh, and I think what everybody wants to know is how how you all know each other uh, and what's the connection there. I think uh, we'd love to hear more of that story. So uh, Dr. Adigan, if uh, you don't mind, I'll start with you. Sure. My name is Chris Adigan. And um, like Dan said, uh, my practice is in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I have a procedurally based practice um, with lots of different devices that do lots of different things. I tell patients, I have lots of different things that do lots of different things. And Genius fits a niche in my practice offerings. Well, you didn't mention how we know each other. <laughs> I'm skipping that. <laughs> we in from North Carolina to New York City up to NYU where Dr. Karen, who's my sister, which we'll get to, but Dr. Karen and I both trained and are both still on faculty. Chris was actually my student when we first met, and now we've become, all of us and some of our other colleagues have become the closest of colleagues and friends, and we literally are roommates when we go to the ASDS meetings. Um, we spend a lot of time together, and our daughters are at sleepaway camp together right now. So no. um, we, we love yeah. Chris like family, but my sister, Dr. Julie Karen, is actually family. Um, <laughs> the two of us co-founded Complete Skin MD. Uh, over seven years ago, and we used to work together in one of the biggest laser centers in New York City, if not the country or maybe the world. And when we were running a half marathon together uh, many years ago, eight plus years ago, we had this idea that one day we should start our own practice. And by the end of that half marathon, we had the name of the practice and we were ready to go. And so we've incorporated a lot of the laser and technology that we've had experience with previously. And we now have a practice together on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, where we do a lot of lasers, but we both also did fellowships in skin cancer surgery and MOAS surgery. So we have a mix of skin cancer, lasers, uh, rejuvenation injectables, and also just overall skin checks and skin care. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you, Dr. Hale. So I, I don't have much to add because- I was gonna say, Dr. Karen, what else do you have? <laughs> um, but I am so grateful to be here with you know, two of my, you know, family, almost like family, closest colleagues and uh, and friends. And one of the nice things about starting our own practice, you know, at first we thought it might be docking, leaving a giant laser emporium where every single device that existed at the time and Genius was not yet in the middle when we were working there. Um, but at the time, all cutting edge technology really was at our fingertips. And, you know, the, the pros and the cons of going out on your own is you have the ability to make decisions about what you really want, what you really need, what you're really going to use, and ultimately what's really going to help patients. Um, so we have full conviction in all you know, the devices that we do incorporate, and um, we're excited to talk about how Genius is forefront among them. 
Outstanding. Very well said, Dr. Karen. Thank you all very much. That was an excellent introduction uh, and a perfect segue actually into my into my next question. Uh, so, uh, Dr. Adigan, you're the kind of the genius uh, veteran here of the group, and Dr. Karen, Dr. Hale, I know you recently upgraded. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit more about your story about how you originally uh, decided to bring genius in your practice. And for Dr. Karen and Dr. Hale, I'd love to hear a little bit about your upgrade uh, journey from infamy to, to genius. So, uh, Dr. Adigan, if you wanted to start, that'd be great. Sure. Um, I actually had seriously considered the infamy, which was the um, vice that kind of preceded Genius uh, before even opening my practice five years ago. And it was kind of like on my short list. So you're kind of thinking like, what do, what can I not live without when you're first opening up? And, um, and so I had like lots of boxes checked and I just thought, you know, this, it was kind of the new wave of radio frequency microneedling devices. And I had already kind of bitten off a lot, like for me to kind of use optimally. And so I like to kind of miss a device before I buy it. <laughs> and so I kept practicing. I kept having this kind of, um, like, for example, a patient would ask, well, how can you treat these depressed acne scars optimally? Or how, what's the best way to do this? In the back of my mind, I'm like, I know the best way to do this, and I don't have it. And so if I'm ever in that circumstance, I know it's time to buy that device. And so by the time I had kind of come around to radio frequency microneedling, the Genius was like in, like about to be launched. And so I just held out for a couple more months and then bought it. I can tell you how we first uh, decided to incorporate uh, the Infini, which, as Dr. Adigan said, preceded the genius. And then maybe mm -hmm. JK can talk about our uh, decide or decision to upgrade. But actually, for me, you know, as we mentioned, we've had a lot of experience with lasers, and there was a lot of buzz about microneedling first alone, and then you know, in combination with radio frequency. And for me, it's really interesting, and I tell patients this story. The initial impetus for me was a plastic surgery colleague of mine who called me one day, and, and he, we share a lot of patients with him in Manhattan on the Upper East Side, but he does a lot of uh, facelifts and neck lifts. And he called me and he said, you know, I'm really struggling because I have patients and their surgery goes very well, but even after a successful lower face and neck lift, they're still complaining about creepiness and about textural issues in the neck. And I feel bad because I basically have done all I can surgically, and but they're just not happy because the skin texture doesn't look good. And sometimes even when you tighten the, the neck, it's in some ways accentuates that creepiness. He's like, don't you have anything that can help them? Because they're, they're willing to do anything, to pay anything, to go anywhere, but the, the creepiness is more upsetting. And so it really got us thinking because a lot of times, and we talk about this with patients a lot, I mean, there certainly is a role for plastic surgery, for facelifts, for all these things, but those surgical procedures do not necessarily improve skin texture. And I think it's nice to have a device that sort of complements surgery and our plastic surgery colleagues. And sometimes now if we have a patient who um, maybe isn't sure they want to undergo surgery, but they're bothered by their skin on their neck, I often will talk to them about starting with microneedling radiofrequency because sometimes if you improve skin texture without going under the knife, they're happy enough, but it's still doesn't preclude them if they decide they do want surgery down the road, that's not a problem. So it really was initially to improve skin texture. And I think for a great while, the Infini served that purpose in our office for crepey neck skin. For a while, that was like the bulk of what we were doing. But then as JK will talk about, as Dr. Karen will talk about, we started getting into acne scars and other areas and then upgraded, which you can hear about. 
Yeah. So to reiterate, I mean, so we started with the neck and I think we were very pleasantly, you know, surprised our expectations were exceeded in terms of how happy our patients were. And we, you know, patients were seeing results after one to two treatments um, in a, a very difficult to treat. I will say that in the months to years preceding that, a patient said, what can you do for the neck? You know, other than sunscreen, photo protection, you know, Botox to help a little bit. Um, I always said there's not much that we can do that can work. And it was so satisfying to actually have a procedure that we felt could improve that. Very difficult to treat, a very prevalent um, crepey region of the neck. And it was something that women were starting to focus on, you know, a few years ago with Nora Efron and other you know, women who brought the neck to light. Um, you'd see a mismatch between an individual's face and their neck. And so we started using the Infinity. We had very nice results. Our patients were, for the most part, um, extraordinarily happy. But I, you know, we were we were feeling limited to the neck. We'd sometimes venture into the lower face, but we didn't feel like we had the precision that we maybe would need in order to treat you know, other areas on the face, other areas on the body. And you know, we, we knew about Genius. We weren't sure whether it was necessary to make the upgrade. But what really sold us on it was, you know, what a precise device it is. Having the ability to very, very efficiently and accurately monitor where in the dermis you are, where you're delivering your energy, be able to treat certain areas of the face, like around the eyes, um, which is such a common area for women to also to have crepey skin. I didn't feel comfortable using the infinity there and all the other RF microneedling devices, certainly I you know, wouldn't use in that area. But the genius afforded the opportunity to treat that area in a very predictable, reliable, and precise way um, because of the feedback that you get from the device, because of you know the precision of the actual needles of the apparatus. And it just it has really um, been a device that we've been able to expand the application very much so. Uh, that's wonderful. Thanks, Dr. Karen. And thank, thank you, everyone. That was a uh, perfect answer. Um, and that really helped to paint the picture, I think. So uh, where, I guess, when you've, since you've upgraded to the Genius, have you, have you noticed a big difference um, in A, kind of the patient experience as far as pain's concerned and that predictability of results? Is there a, um, is there a big yeah. delta? <laughs> so it's, we have, um, but our patients are willing to tolerate it. It's, um, it sounds much more pleasant. So, you know, the actual thing <laughs> that patients used to cringe at because they could only imagine what was happening to their bodies as we see them doing it sounded like a massive uh, industrial grade staple. Yeah, we got rid of the staple gun. <laughs> um, in turn, I know that you may disagree a little bit. We, we've heard that it was supposed to be not as painful. It is more painful, but. When we explain to patients, like, we know the energy, where it's going, how much is going there, and we want as much as is going to get there, uh, they're willing to accept it. And we've adapted our um, peri-procedural pain management uh, in order to make patients get through it more easily. And, and what are those pain protocols, if you don't mind sharing, at least in general? I'll let my sister take from here. Okay, so in our office, um, when we were using the Infinia, we mostly just did... 30 to 60 minutes of topical 30% lidocaine. But again, the genius is more uncomfortable, but certainly delivering better results and more precise results. So it's worth it for us and our patients. We still try to use topical 30% lidocaine for 60 minutes prior. We also um, will offer either intramuscular toradol, which is what we do for non-ablative fractional resurfacing, and mm -hmm. or um, 
nitrous oxide or laughing gas. So we've incorporated that into our practice over the past couple to several years. And I think that it makes the genius much more tolerable. The nice thing about the uh, laughing gas is that there's no sequela. Like as soon as we're finished with the procedure, they feel like themselves again. So it's not uh, mind altering. It's not sedating, but it has been very helpful. So usually people get by with topical uh, laughing gas plus minus an injection of Toradol if they desire. And we can mention we treated each other without laughing gas. Um, we made it through, but it was difficult. So, <laughs> but I will offer laughing gas next time. Um, in, in my office, I have a little different, but similar in a sense that most people do fine. I do a different topical combination of 23% tet tetracaine, 7% lidocaine. And that can kind of vary state by state with what you're allowed to do with lidocaine. But I do, mm -hmm. but it is really, it's honestly for everything else I do, it's really effective. But the whole, like mechanism of action with radiofrequency microneedling is that it's deep, right? So there's only so much the topical can penetrate. So that will help with the initial needle entry, but it doesn't help with the energy release. So clearly we need something else on board in addition to just numb gel. And I do do 45 minutes to an hour of numb gel application just to kind of get the most we can out of it. Plus the 50% nitrous oxygen nitrous oxide gas oxygen combination would probably use the same formulation. Um, I kind of more or less require it. And if they don't want the nitrous gas, then I do oral sedation that they, they actually pick up right before they come in. And it's a combination of um, Xanax and uh, Vicodin. Great. Uh, thanks, Dr. Adding. Very, very comprehensive. Uh, so I appreciate that. You've all obviously worked through these uh, these protocols. And, um, you know, from the from the standpoint of the, the manufacturer, um, obviously, we want <laughs> we want to hear about comfortable procedures. But at the same time, um, I am actually pleased to hear that you've, <laughs> you've you've found some pain there because it means you're you're treating right and you're getting those results. Because um, you're totally right, Dr. Adigan. That's unfortunately there's a little bit of a no pain, no gain um, aspect to this because of the depths that you are achieving and the amount of energy you're putting in. So I know in, in some cases when people are really just treating to try to keep the patient comfortable, you know that tends to be when sometimes you have to compromise results a little bit. I know none of you want to do that. Nope. Um, so yeah, we want to make sure that everyone's happy and satisfied and getting the best possible results they can. So I um, was sort of interested in, in all of your takes on that as far as. You know, what's the learning curve been, A, moving into Infini and then into Genius for, in the case of Dr. Karen and Dr. Hale. Uh, and for Dr. Adigan, I know we've kind of had a journey together as far as, you know, getting getting up and running with that uh, with that device in your practice as well. So I guess where where have you found successes where, you know, what conditions are best with the Genius? I know you've mentioned both laxity and those, uh, those difficult acne scars as well. Um, where do we need to improve as far as our um, understanding of protocols and refining those settings? Uh, and then I think the other part of it's just the communication and making sure everybody's on the same page and that everyone knows about um, the latest tips and tricks. So I, I know that's sort of a, <laughs> that's a pretty deep loaded question, but um, just sort of curious on that perspective, if that makes sense. I, I think that um, both Dr. Hale and Dr. Heron brought up a good point in that it does really shine with crepiness. We don't really have mm -hmm. anything that can compete with crepiness when it comes to RF microneedling. Um, I mean, we use it for crepiness on arms. That's been really strangely popular. Um, and it's really mm -hmm. just, you know, and it, the challenge with 
the challenge with it is photographing, showing kind of photograph before and afters is hard in skin tightening. Across all skin tightening devices, it is hard to appreciate improvement with photographs. And I think that's just a challenge in this kind of the skin tightening arena. And I think just kind of finding the areas where this technology shines and not trying to use it, not trying to make it be a facelift alternative or things like that, I think are like a big part of managing the patient expectations. Like let's use this device where it works well and not try to make it do something it doesn't do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Dr. Hale, I think Dr. Dr. Karen, Karen brought up um, an important point before about the versatility of the genius and why that weighed in and factored in in our decision to upgrade from the Infini. You know, when we were doing the Infini, it was a little bit more, to be honest, like cookie cutter, you know, approach. Like we were sort of just using some settings because we were almost exclusively treating the neck and maybe the lower face. I think what's interesting about the genius technology, but again, the precision and the feedback you get from the coupled microneedles makes it safer and more interesting, but also applicable to other areas. So Dr. Karen mentioned the eyelid skin, and I think it's great to have a device we can use there because eyelids are such a tough area and they age uniquely because the skin is so thin. Um, but of course, you have to make sure that you're using the right setting because you're, you want to go to a much more superficial depth around the periorbital skin than you would on thick sebaceous acne scar skin or on a, even on the neck or off the face and neck. Um, so I think there's definitely a steeper learning curve. And of course, it's always better to err on the side of safety until you get more comfortable. And of course, another thing we love about the device is the versatility and the ability to treat all skin types as well, skin tones. But I think it's important to know about your settings, of course, your depth, but also, you know, it's safe in all skin types, but you don't want to treat it such a high density because you don't want to further a, a risk for hyperpigmentation. So it's an extremely versatile, exciting device, and it's a very smart device and very accurate. But I think there's definitely a slightly steeper learning curve as you get more comfortable with different areas of the body and face and also just different indications. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing that, you know, all of us are very well versed in lasers and with lasers, we take them very seriously. And with each device, there's a learning curve. But that learning curve is more about, you know, the depth is not very altered from laser to laser. A certain laser will generally penetrate to a certain depth in a certain screen type. And once you know what settings to use, you know, for an individual, given the target, given the, you know, expected size of the target, and given the skin type, you feel comfortable adjusting parameters. Whereas this is the first device where you, we literally are dialing up the depth at which we want to go. And so it really takes a lot of um, comprehensive anatomical understanding of the face, you know, what is the depth of the skin in one area versus another? Um, what is the depth at which you want to deliver the energy? And it's been exciting to learn, and, you know, the results are, are paying off, but it's, it's definitely a different framework from classic lasers, which have a target chromophore that's going to absorb the energy, and, and you can know predictably how that will happen. Um, it's, it's new, but different information. Very well said, yeah, and, and good good responses from everyone. Um, I, I think that was for me that that has been one of the challenges. And that with laser, we're so used to being able to see the result right away. We can see that interaction, that laser tissue interaction. Whereas you know now you're you're firing blind in a way um, when you're doing the RF microneedling, and and you know that's again one of the great benefits of the Genius 
as I think Dr. Hale, you mentioned, you know, because you do get that energy feedback. So the device is giving you as much information as it possibly can, but you still don't have use of your, <laughs> of your eyes, really, uh, except for whatever reaction you may get at the very surface of the tissue. I, uh, Dr. Adigan, you mentioned treating the underarms, or sorry, on, oh, on like the kind of the back wing. talked about the arms. And then, though, like the actual like forearms where sure. things are starting, you know, which we're trying to stimulate their body to generate collagen through the wound healing process, right? And mm -hmm. so sometimes it's not so easy to appreciate again in photographs, but a lot of times it's a counseling the patient, like, look, we can do this now and hopefully things will look better because you did this. It's kind of like a savings, savings account. Well, you, you know, like you're going to do this investment now so that you will have better looking arms not just a year from now, but two years from now. Mm -hmm. um, but I do do the underarms. We do a lot of hyperhidrosis. We use this for hyperhidrosis a lot. <laughs> it's really effective, predictably effective. That's great. So you, uh, how often are you treating hyperhidrosis? Is a pretty, pretty regular thing you said? It kind of comes in waves in a sense uh -huh. that when, um, you know, I'm in a university town. So when there's no more college students here, I'd say we do it more often. Um, it's summertime. So I don't think we've had that many cases in the past few weeks, but we, it's pretty steady. Dr. Counter and Dr. Hale, have you, have you tried the genius for hyperhidrosis? Not yet. I've been interested to we typically have treated it with botulinum toxins with, you know, mm -hmm. success and very little downtime, but I am uh, I'm certainly intrigued and we'll pick Chris's brain for, with that later. It's just, it's, it's permanent or it certainly lasts a lot longer than um, neurotoxins. So it just kind of depends on the patient's wants, needs, budget, you know, all of those things. Um, and I almost always kind of require a few treatments of genius for whatever body area we're doing. But with hyperhidrosis, I actually do it one treatment at a time because they typically have 50% a fifty percent decrease in sweating after each treatment. So sometimes one treatment's enough. Um, and I have them come back for a second only if they need it. But I have had um, kind of like one um, unwanted outcome in a sense that a, a patient got really inflamed. And I think it's because we've stacked the treatments too close together. And now we require them to be eight weeks apart if they are going to do hyperhidrosis. Just a lot of energy in a very small area. Um, even though it had healed over from the surface, I think more things were happening beneath. And so now we just require every eight, at least eight weeks between the treatments. Do you use that same interval when you're treating anything else? We do now. Or do you do four weeks? We used to do four weeks, Liz, but just for to make things, um, Dr. Hale, I'm sorry, to make things easier from a scheduling standpoint, all genius treatments are spaced eight weeks. Um, so, and I think people kind of get a little bit more out of it because then you're going to do a treatment and then a full eight weeks later, they're going to get another treatment. Then a full eight weeks later, they're going to have another treatment. So you have six months, um, four, four months from the time you have your first treatment and then you have their follow-up two months later. So they have, they have time to appreciate the results. And for that collagen to remodel. That's right. Exactly. Which takes long time which exactly. is a counseling point <laughs> <laughs> that that is that is an excellent point absolutely because I, I i do think that's sometimes a mistake that that we make uh, not you but us uh the the, the royal us um uh, sometimes just not necessarily giving that amount of time uh for that neocollagenesis to really to really take take hold um to get those new uh new elastin and, and new fibrous uh 
tissue in there. So uh, as far as um, other body areas, uh, you know, Dr. Adigan, I know if you, you've been using the M hand piece a little bit, I know you upgraded to that a few months ago. Uh, have you found any that. success? In, in multiple ways, yes. Mm -hmm. So um, we've moved to the M tip, M tip exclusively for the neck. So um, patients have a much easier recovery. The treatment duration is close to half. Um, and we're having no kind of compromise and results on the other end. I think it's just because the needle, you know, the, the face is tough. Like you can go so yeah. aggressive on the face because and it heals so fast. You have this high concentration of spacious glands, but it just drops off. <laughs> like when you mm -hmm. get to the neck, like that's why it gets so creepy even before the face. And then the chest is even less. I actually wanted to ask you guys how you guys were doing, if you were doing a lot of deck. Um, so I, I think that with the wider space needles, it facilitates like a, you can treat more aggressively safer. Mm -hmm. I would say off the face and neck, and we, again, this is newer for us, so we're still experimenting, but I think the decolletage, but namely more in like the intermammary area that gets kind of creepy. Yeah. Patients are very bothered by that. And I've used it there with great success. And then recently, and again, it's summertime, so we're doing a little less of certain devices now than we will be again in a couple months, but um, postpartum, the creepiness in women after having a baby around their belly button area and that oh, creepy yeah. skin, I've recently been playing around with it there, and it's nice to have a device that conceptually makes so much sense that's going to help tighten that skin, and I've been doing it there as well. That is such a good idea. It's <laughs> a great idea. I love yeah. that. Uh, it's outstanding. No, thank you for that info. And, and Dr. Adigan, to your point, uh, we've actually been hearing that quite a bit um, from other physicians that they are starting to gravitate towards the M-tip um, for the reasons that you mentioned. I, I think people almost feel like it's a faster treatment in a way as well. Uh, so even though it's we initially launched that with really the body in mind, um, it's really gravitated towards, <laughs> towards the neck and face as well. Uh, and I know people who pretty much almost exclusively use the M-tip. Uh, I, I probably would face, use but... it maybe on the lower face, but you start to lose your precision on the upper right. face because it is larger. Agreed, agreed, no, 100%. Um, so I, I was going to ask, uh, as far as uh, bundling or combination, you know, is this is genius? Is this a device that you're combining with? Uh, other procedures, other devices, uh, any you kind of making this a combination type treatment, uh, or are you sort of is it standing alone in your practice? That's for say, Dr. Karen, what do you think? <laughs> sure. So I think it has great utility if someone is a minimalist and only wants to do one thing, or certainly if they want only, you know, of course, we all strive to give our patients very uh, natural results. We don't look to put on our patients having their friends and know that they necessarily had stuff done other than to think that they look well rested. And I think for like the patient who's just starting to dabble in aesthetics, um, who maybe is concerned about injectables, you can use it as a standalone. Um, that said, you know, all of the things that we do, everything in our armamentarium is logistic when used together. So much more commonly than not, we are using this in the same patient in whom we will do toxin injections or, you know, filler injections. Um, it can do more than any other single treatment, arguably, but I certainly think you still have to complement it with other procedures in order to address um, a patient's, you know, all concerns effectively. So it's a, 
you know, I don't like to combine multiple procedures at the same time, with the exception being that we do do PRP, platelet-rich plasma, which is a very, um, basically you draw the patient's blood, you spin it down, you take out the portion that is rich in platelet and growth factors, and you inject that into the patient's skin. It's used a lot in orthopedics for joint repair, but it's also used in aesthetic medicine to help with wound healing, to help with um, collagen stimulation and healing. So that's one procedure that we would combine on a given day with the microneedling and radiofrequency, but most others would be separated in, you know, in time and, and space. Do you, um, Dr. Karen, do you, do you guys do PRP immediately post-genius? I do that after laser resurfacing and my, um, traditional microneedling, needling, but I haven't done it with genius. I haven't done much of it, but I've started to you know, think of it as probably a very viable option for, yeah. so yes, but, you know, waiting on the on results now. Do you, um, are you just painting it on or do you inject it too? So typically when we do a PRP treatment, we do just inject it. Um, both. We basically will inject the platelet-rich portion and then paint on the, you know, okay. the Yeah, I was going to say commonly after... Um, not ablated, but with the Infini, I did a lot of them, and now, of course, with the Genius as well, but I'll inject the PRP and then the platelet pore plasma, like the component that's left over, we'll apply that to the skin, and mm-hmm. we'll apply it, but obviously, if you have those microscopic holes drilled in, you're going to get much better penetration, so I think yeah. it's a great adjunctive procedure on the day of, and then, as Dr. Karen mentioned, it is compatible, so it's certainly safe to treat after other injectables, botulinum toxin, fillers, and um, I think certainly if you inject the sculpture first, let the collagen kind of build up, and then a couple months later do that microneedling radiofrequency, then that's a nice adjunct procedure. And there's been more talk about applying PLLA topically too. So certainly after microneedling radiofrequency device and then applying topical sculpture, there's growing interest in that for treating um, scars of all types. Yeah. So something we're, we're playing around with as well. I think also, as we talk about topical PLLA, but even um, the whole coupling of devices with topical treatments. So for example, like if someone, if you're at risk for hyperpigmentation, even though the risk for genius is low, but certainly you'd be more concerned, you might want to add a topical you know, lightening agent or immediately after to get some penetration and then to keep them on that after the treatment too lower the risk of hyperpigmentation. So that's great. Yeah. So for pigmented skin with genius, I typically don't do it right away. I'm so afraid I'm going to cause irritation and then like give myself a whole new problem. (laughs) Well, I guess it depends which topical, right? Like something non-irritating like like Terra or azelaic acid. Yeah. But I would agree with something stronger like hydroquinone. You want to be careful? Well, um, I've, I've actually been afraid of like granulomas or whatever. Not that these are founded fears. You know, I think that sometimes as a, you know, cautious doctor, we all develop these little ner- nervous, like, oh, oh, maybe that, that, that will happen to me, you know? Um, but I do start them on, you know, as much as we say, like, this is safe in pigmented skin. Okay. Like that's pigmented skin is like this massive bucket. Right. And so in a very diverse bucket and and so I do do things like we make sure the pulse width is mapped out. We sometimes will decrease the energy. We do, you know, modify the settings as necessary, depending on the skin type. And then I actually wait until I wait seven days and then I start them on a brightening agent. But to hear that you're able to do that, I mean, 
I mean, I'll go do it tomorrow. <laughs> like, that makes so much sense. But azelaic acid is arguably one of my favorites, um, just because its effectiveness is has been proven to be, you know, if not equal, close to equal to hydroquinone with much fewer side effects. Oh, that's great. Thank you, everyone. That was uh, that was outstanding. I think this is this is what really excites people, and this is why I love the opportunity to do a podcast like this because. This is the stuff that also that you can all say that I can't necessarily say as a as a company representative. So um, I love love to hear that because I think there's just as you've all mentioned the, the versatility of this system is really um, one of its highlights. And I think being able to combine it with you know a million different things out there uh, to get those optimal results and help your patients meet their aesthetic goals it's uh, it's really exciting. And we, we continue to gather that information and uh, you know make sure that that people are that we're we're always learning. I have combination recommendation that I do do with this. I love it with Sculptra too, Liz. Mm. But I just I love Sculptra too. So do I. Yeah, <laughs> and we've been hearing more and more of that. I think especially in the last year or so, that that seems to have really picked up in popularity with that combination. And you could do like the hyper dilute on the chest, which I've done, and I haven't done it with Genius. And I'm like, I'm like I got to do that. <laughs> it makes sense. Take take, take pictures. Idea. Yeah. Actually, you reminded me of one other combination treatment. I think when, when patients hear it's microneedling and radio frequency, they say, mm -hmm. well, how is it different from thermage? Because we do a lot of thermage. And yes. mm -hmm. I think it's important to educate the patient. If thermage is deeper heating and maybe more, um, although you can see, of course, some tightening with genius as well. But I think if thermage is sort of like a deeper heating, but it's not as specific or precise per se, and it's not necessarily helping with skin texture or or skin laxity in a superficial mm -hmm. way. But I think that the two treatments actually um, complement each other. So mm -hmm. sometimes if someone is not interested in surgery but wants non-invasive tightening like thermage oral thera, it certainly is reasonable to do that first and then to go back with the genius to help more with like some superficial laxity and some of the other creepiness and things that we talked about. So I think yeah. those two procedures are, you know, can go hand in hand. It's like the, like, I don't want a facelift. Like, what can I do? Right. You're like, mm -hmm. we can do some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, I like it to, I like to pair it with HA fillers along the jawline. So typically I have them do their first genius treatment, have them wait a couple of weeks, and then I'll contour the jawline. And then they have another six weeks because there's there was that one paper that showed that the needle depth does get to the same depth as where we place HA fillers. And so they recommend treating at least a month apart from placement of HA fillers. So that's okay because it's built into our treatment interval anyway. So they have genius two weeks later because I want to make sure they're all healed, all swollen, gone, contour the jawline with HA. Six weeks later, they have their second genius. And that's so, genius. <laughs> I love it. Today, I had a patient who, you know, I was, we were exactly, we were talking about how, it, you know, you can contour the jawline with a filler, but you really can improve that neck jawline laxity with genius and that combination is beautiful. And sometimes patients like, well, I want to do one or the other. I'm like, okay, well, I'll show you some before and afters with just filler. And then we can talk about before, we can show you some before and afters with filler plus genius, right? And it's more dramatic, right? Because you're having the the improvement in the skin quality around it, and it's sharper. One area we didn't touch on is uh, the knees, which you know is a very difficult to treat area. And although it's an imperfect treatment, you know for that area because you are fighting gravity so much. I mean, when someone's upright, gravity is very much pulling the skin down. 
But, you know, for that crepiness above the knees and women who feel that they're as fit as they possibly can be, they've worked out, their muscles are where they want them to be, but that skin just sort of sags or hangs, um, you can get a nice tightening and lifting effect. Um, you have to set realistic expectations, which I think is so important with all the treatments that we do, but particularly with something like this, that slow and steady is going to sort of, you know, get you where you want to be. But um, similar to the arms, which we talked about, you can get some tightening with knees. Right. Yeah, I know that's another difficult area, but uh, yeah, I think as long, like you said, as long as you're setting those expectations properly with the patient. Um, I mean, I think that's know, the counseling. Sorry, Dan, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but like, the, okay. you know, it's kind of like, um, it's not unlike hair loss. Like if you see someone for hair loss and you don't grow them one more hair, but they don't lose any more hair, like that's a massive win, right? Mm -hmm. We're aging all the time. And so I say that to patients all the time. They're like, well, is this permanent? I'm like, well, I mean, the, what you gain from this will be permanent, but the aging process never stops. So you're crepey now, you will be crepier in a year. Like this is a way to prevent or slow that process down. I like that. Yeah, I typically say yeah. it doesn't wear off the way like Botox wears off for one day. You're like, okay, yeah. you know, I need my botulinum toxin. I say, you know, it doesn't wear off, but you will continue to age and you'll continue to experience more laxity and the effects of gravity. So you periodically will repeat the procedure, but mm -hmm. it doesn't wear off, which they like to hear. Yeah, yeah very well put. Very well put. Uh, well, we're, we're kind of winding down here, actually, uh, time-wise. Does uh, anybody have any questions for me or for each other? Any other topics you want to bring up? I'm going to text you guys for your decolletage settings. Sounds good. No, this has been so, uh, so informative and enjoyable. And I love talking with my family and extended germ <laughs> family about this device. And we definitely uh, have been glad we're incorporating it into the practice because it does fit a role and the patients have been very happy. Absolutely. This has been great as is use of the genius. That's great. Well, thank you all very, very much. Uh, really appreciate your time, especially taking an evening. I know it's difficult with everyone's busy schedule, but yes, this was very enjoyable. I could, I could feel the love, definitely the family atmosphere <laughs> going on here. So that's, uh, that's a lot of fun to be, um, to be able to, to see that up, up live and in person. Uh, or virtually anyway. Uh, so thank you all very much. Uh, I think uh, I want to remind all of our listeners to please subscribe to this podcast, the Tech and Medicine Beauty Cast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, remember to leave a review and give us a five-star rating. Uh, we'll continue to bring more of these exciting type discussions to you. Uh, so Dr. Adigan, Dr. Hale, Dr. Karen, thank you all very much. Uh, we really appreciate your uh, patronage and your participation this evening. Uh, this was a lot of fun. I hope we can do it again soon. Thanks, Thanks, so much for having us. Thanks very much. Have a great night. You talk, too. To, talk to you next time.